50 seasons of New York Islanders hockey. And the New York Islanders have won their fourth straight Stanley Cup. A once-in-a-lifetime celebration. Oh, my goodness, Ryan Pollock saved the game! This is Talkin' Isles with Greg Picker and Corey Wright. We welcome you into another edition of Talkin' Isles, the New York Islanders' official interview-based podcast presented by Betway. I'm Greg Picker, joined alongside, as always, by Corey Wright. And this week, we welcome to the show Mark Parrish. Parry played 722 games in the National Hockey League, 345 of those with the New York Islanders from 2000 to 2006. And Greg, you come here for the chat about the 2001-2002 season, and maybe you stay for the talk about Pavel Bure and Mark Parrish's days down in Florida, but... A lot of fun to get to catch up with Mark Parrish. We talked about, you know, being on the Olympic team in 2006, talked about what makes a good road roommate, some pranks he pulled with Sean Bates. So really enjoyable chat with a guy that you and I got to know a little bit when he was doing some broadcasting with the team. We touched on that, but a real fun chat with one of the guys from the early 2000s Islanders. Let's take it away with Mark Parrish. Tchaikovsky sent sprawling. But the work of Parrish kept it deep. Now he gets it back. Shoots! Now, welcome in Mark Parrish to the Talking Isles podcast. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. We always like to go back to even the, the pre-Isles days, pre-NHL, pre-college days, and especially <laughs> for you because growing up in Bloomington, Minnesota, I understand you won a couple of high school state championships. And in Minnesota, that is a huge, huge deal. These days, they play that at the home of the Minnesota Wild. Were they playing that at the Met Center where the North Stars played when you were uh, growing up? It was actually at the St. Paul Civic Center. It was the building that they they imploded for the Excel Center. So, and, and the best thing about it, the coolest thing about it was we had clear boards. Top to bottom, it was clear boards. It was just clear plexiglass all the way around. And that was just the coolest thing. Obviously, just to play in the state tournament is every kid's dream to grow up in, in Minnesota, to grow up and play for the high school state tournament. So the only thing I've seen close to it's all my travels and all the, all the areas I lived in uh, was football in Texas. That was the only kind of passion for one youth game <laughs> that an entire state had. Uh, but, but man, we are so proud of it out here. And yeah, we got to play the clear boards at the old Excel Center. I, I feel like the young kids miss it, although they are kind of spoiled. They get to play at the Excel Center and they get to uh, take their face offs right on top of that wild logo, which is a pretty big thrill as well. Well, Mark, I think about the current generation of Minnesota guys, your Zach Parise's, you know, Kyle Oposo's, Brock Nelson's, Anders Lee. And, you know, those guys talked about looking up to you and your generation. But for you, you know, who were the guys growing up in Minnesota? Who were, you know, the the big guys that you were looking up to, those original Minnesota guys? Oh, well, Bobby Smith. I mean, right right away, my hero was Dino Cicerelli. Uh, he was my guy. That's why I love playing in front of the net. I just loved Dino. Uh, and what an amazing thrill of a lifetime I got to play with in my rookie year in Florida uh, and just try to, to, to soak up every little piece of information I could from a guy that scored 600 goals and, and, and my idol. But thinking about him, I think with Mike Madonna, then who I got to play with in Dallas, you know, Brian Propp, uh, there, there's a, yeah, 
Don Volpre, who's still around here, and all the old North Stars, obviously Brian Bellows. Neil Broughton was a big one for me. Neil Broughton being a Minnesota boy, a Roseau boy, uh, was somebody I looked up to as well. But, you know, we're, we're pretty spoiled here in Minnesota that we've got a big, uh, a big group to choose the favorite players in the NHL from. Now, you would have been in high school in 1993, and I believe your two championships were 93 and 94, but 93 was when the the North Stars left for Dallas. So was that one of the most devastating moments maybe of your childhood to see the the NHL team in Minnesota, of all places, leave for Texas? The only thing that was more devastating to that was when Dallas won a cup with our team a couple years later. As we watched that team develop from the beginning, uh, yeah, was that devastating? That is terrible. Uh, it still strikes a little bit of a chord with us. If you guys can't tell, we're still a little upset about that. Uh, obviously, getting the wild has helped soothe that tremendously. But yeah, we we uh, we here in Minnesota feel like uh, we got robbed of a Stanley Cup, and our Stanley Cup is in Texas right now. Well, for you starting out, you know, college hockey, St. Cloud State for a couple of seasons, and then going to the Seattle Thunderbirds in the WHL. Greg and I were actually just talking a lot about Seattle because we were just there and the Matt Barzell connection, the Thomas Hickey connection. But, you know, what led to the decision to leave the NCAA for juniors at that point and just take us through that whole experience? Ah, uh, wow. The, you know, it was it was something that kind of happened quick, I guess, looking back on it now. It was you know, both Matt Cohen uh, and I were, we came into St. Cloud together and I remember kind of having a meeting with him and because I heard rumors that he was talking with Anaheim back then. Uh, and I was talking with Colorado who owned my rights at the time. And it was kind of an agreement like, Hey, we we're going to let each other know right away if one of us was going to sign just because that was going to sway either one of our decisions, him being the passer and me being the trigger man. And me living without him is a lot more difficult than him living without me. Uh, and uh, so so he signed, he ended up signing. And I had a chance to play in the World Championships that year. And uh, at least if you go over to the World Championships as a college kid. I don't know if I got a game and I can't remember that or not. But I just fell in love with the pro game. And I had, I, I had mentally kind of moved on, I guess, with, with Cully, my partner in crime, moving on. But with getting a chance to play with NHL guys, I, I was ready for it. I craved it even more. So I, I was planning on just getting signed. The, the deal was almost done with Colorado. There was actually a, We actually thought the deal was done with Colorado. I flew out there for camp. Something got mixed up to this day. I don't know what it is. I didn't ask any questions because I didn't really want to know. I got messed up behind the scenes and, and, and everything. Uh, maybe a little naive, but either way, I just felt more comfortable that way. Uh, and uh, to, to keep continuing on f- to uh, negotiate with Colorado, I couldn't go back to St. Cloud. If I went back to St. Cloud, my negotiations were done and I was just stuck for a year. Uh, and Mike Liute and Brian Lawton, my, my representatives, kind of threw it out there as an idea. Hey, if, if you wanted to go play the Western League, uh, if you'd be up for that, we can keep negotiating. And, and I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And literally that night I was on a flight to Seattle. <laughs> it was pretty crazy how quick it happened. I didn't get a whole lot of time to think about it, but, but I absolutely love that I got a chance to, uh, one, play in a great league like the CHL and the Western Hockey League is, as well, uh, as obviously as an arm of that. Uh, but two, it saved me time in the minors, uh, learning that pro game. They had pro rules. It was fighting all the rules in the NHL were the exact same in the uh, Western League and the CHL, and, and it, it prepared me for the NHL, and that was not a thought that was a lucky bonus that came out of it, but it, it's uh, that's what happened. And I absolutely love Seattle. We like going back there for the alumni games. My wife loves it. Kids love it. So yeah, Seattle's a, a huge part of my development, even though it only lasted a year. 
20 years later, the Seattle Thunderbirds finally win their first Western Hockey League title in 2017. And one of the stars of that team, Matt Barzell, had already been drafted by the Islanders a couple of years prior. So were you keeping an extra eye on Seattle as they went through that run and, and really felt the pride when they, they finally won that title? And obviously an Islander was a big part of the reason why. Oh, very much so. Uh, you know, Russ Farwell, the, their owner back there, I'm still pretty close with. We keep in contact, uh, the owner and general manager, and, and he's he's great. And he was so instrumental to my development as well. He he saw something in me, uh, and he he was he and the coach Don Nakbar at the time put me in situations intentionally to, to prepare me for that. So, so of course, I'm forever linked with them and forever thankful and grateful. I'm so proud of those guys. And, yeah, and then getting a chance to not just watch Matt Barzell then, but but now then to turn around and get a chance to see him when I was working with the New York Islanders. Oh, my Lord, was that fun. I had so much fun uh, getting to watch that young Thunderbird. This old old Thunderbird got to live vicariously through that young, younger, much more skilled, much better skater, uh, smarter hockey IQ. Yeah, all of the above. It was fun. And boy, is it fun to watch him play. I still do. Well, fast forward to your NHL career. You know, you drafted by Colorado, but you get traded to the Florida Panthers where you begin your career. And if we look at those Panthers teams in the late 90s, the name that I think jumps off the page is Pavel Bure. So you know, <laughs> what can you tell us about playing with the Russian Rocket? Boy, uh, my first superstar that I ever got to play with, uh, and he's Pav was absolutely awesome. Uh, really laid back guy. I, I love fell in love with the guy off the ice uh, as much as I did watching him score goals on the ice. And boy, you, you know, I learned uh, to be a 50 60 goal scorer. You one have to work incredibly hard, and two, you've got to love scoring goals more than us thirty goal scores. And I didn't think that was possible. Uh, he would he would score a nice goal in practice, and he'd give himself a little fist bump and everything. Like it was just great. He worked on breakaways. Uh, he did his own shootout after every practice, morning skate. Whoever the poor backup goalie would sit there and have to take. 15, 20 breakaways, all Pavelbury coming down and trying different moves, perfecting different moves. Uh, I mean, he could beat any goalie five-hole, I felt, from anywhere on the ice. Like, he had this knack of getting goalies to bite and go five-hole. To, to, to watch a, a goal scorer like that day in and day out was was absolutely incredible to me. And obviously, in his prime, scoring 60 goals a year, I mean – uh, it was it was so impressive to see his work ethic to be able to bring it every single night, every single game, and that same intensity of absolutely loving to score goals. The year after you were in Florida, when you first came to the island, Pavel Burry had 92 points to lead that team, and the second leading scorer had only 37 points. I mean, just to, to see that disparity between one and two is simply remarkable. But in 2000, you get traded to the Islanders from Florida with Ole Kavasha, and obviously the first year was a little bit rough for the team, but the next year, the real renaissance, but the guy who you get traded with in Oleg Kavasha is someone who still gets talked about from Islanders fans, but I don't know if any Islanders fans have seen him basically since he left Long Island in the mid two thousands. So what kind of a person and teammate was uh, the great Oleg? Oleg was absolutely awesome. Uh, he was very laid back. I, I was always so jealous of of his uh, his. Uh, sorry, no speaking English. He spoke English perfectly. He understood every slang. Like he had been living here his whole life, 
And yet, every time you're like, oh, no, no, no speaking English. I'm like, oh, I wish I had that some of those nights. Boy, would that have been nice. But no, Oleg was an, was an awesome teammate. He, he really was. He was a good guy. He had a great he, he had a great personality in the room. He did care. It was just, there was, obviously, everybody has his, what they feel about him on the ice. It's a little different. Uh, but you know what? He did care, uh, whether it showed all the time or not. And, and I said, he was a great teammate. He was uh, it was funny. We kind of laughed when I went to L.A. and and then Minnesota and he was in Phoenix. We were giggling because we had played our whole career together at that point. And it was oddly strange. So, yeah, Oli and I had a bond. I, I wish I got to get in contact with him. I don't know if he's even come back over to this country since uh, since since he retired. I haven't spoken to him. But, no, he Oli was a great guy. Uh, I, I love him. And, uh, yeah, he was just he, we, he and I were both equally laid back, that's for sure. So we got along great. So summer 2001, obviously major moves that the team makes, brings in some pretty big names in Alexi Ashen, Michael Pekka, Chris Osga just before the season begins. And then you start the year on a toward pace, including that 4-0-0-0 road trip, as they used to have the, the four categories in the standings. And it's the first home game of the year. And it's the first game for the Islanders in New York after 9-11. And the Red Wings come to town, and, and they had Stanley Cup aspirations. And Just what were the emotions being an American player on the team, seeing that giant flag at center ice before what was an emotional game and, and entirely an emotional season? Oh, man. Uh, boy, it's funny you say that. Some of those emotions are come back just talking about it. and It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, uh, you know, obviously the tragedy we don't we don't need to touch on, and uh, obviously you know all that still affects has affected our our country, and being out there uh, firsthand to witness uh, what everybody had gone through is is it was inspirational. Uh, the the team coming together the way it was there was there was so much enthusiasm that summer. Uh, I remember when when Michael Peck got traded. I mean, I called our equipment manager Joey right away. I'm like, just give him 27. Like, I, I wasn't even going to make it tough. I didn't even care. You know, Mike, he took me out to he took me out to a couple of dinners to thank me. But no, I mean, there was we were so excited to get started, especially those of us that have gone through the year before and the guys that have been there longer than I did. Uh, the, the the players that's the one thing players go through the same frustrations. The organization goes through the same frustrations as the fans. We, everybody wants to win. Everybody does want the same thing, even though it doesn't seem like that at times. Uh, and, and and so we were so excited about getting back at this and getting Laviolette and getting this new coach, uh, all these additions, and then that happened. And uh, it was it takes me right back to Lake Placid uh, and how the people were right away. Uh, the fans, uh, you know, going to the restaurants and everyone up there, talking about uh, how we needed this and, and, and the country needs this and New York needs this. And, and it was a, an inspiration for us to get back. And we honestly wanted to play as hard as we could uh, for the new, for New York, for Long Island, for everyone that, that, that have been going through what they've been through. I know the Rangers devils were all the same. We were all in that same boat. It was just, it was truly, truly inspirational to see everyone uh, come together uh, in a moment like that, and uh, to 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 have an opportunity, I, I feel honored to to have gotten a chance to be playing in New York at that time, uh, and being entertainment, being some little break, 
uh, for the first responders and for everyone else that was 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 living this tragedy, uh, going alongside with them. I, honestly, that would, that's I guess if there was two words I put a year on that year it would be inspirational and honored. Just wanting to to do everything we could for for everyone, uh, every Long Island, every Island fan, every Tri City, New York, New Jersey Ranger. We honestly were kind of all in the same boat. We were warriors on the ice together when we were playing against each other, but we were all kind of pulling for each other at the same time away from it. We, we wanted it to be us three at the end. So during the course of that 0-1-0-2 season, you end up putting up 30 goals, being selected to the All-Star game. And that year was in Los Angeles. It was still the North America versus the world format. How much fun was that going to represent your continent in a way and uh, the New York Islanders <laughs> along with Alexi Ashen, who you went up against, who was also selected that game for the world squad. That was, I still kind of pinch myself. I still kind of like, man, is that real? <laughs> I, you know, it was, it was such a dream come true, a dream that I never even, I, I'd never even thought I'd in a million years uh, that I'd be even close to an all-star game. I was, I was happy being in the NHL and just wanted to stay there uh at that and and for that year everything came together uh i mean first of all michael peck sean bates and laviolette the coach and my two line mates absolutely spectacular uh, you know let me play my game put me in a position to, to let me be my best in lavi and then having michael peck and sean bates as line mates i didn't have to worry about the t-zone at all and i loved it and, and uh still missed it I still missed it to this day uh, I could use it in the old man's game right now. My back checking hasn't gotten any better, but uh, you know, it, it was it was something that just came together that year. And then to get to play in that All Star game, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't. I felt the whole time that I, I didn't belong. Uh, Joe Sakic and Chris Chelios, the guys like that, were amazing and kind of pulled me along and made sure I didn't miss anything. And I just remember just smiling the whole weekend. Uh, absolutely, it was it was just a treat. And and actually, my favorite story that I like to tell. Uh, did happen that weekend when you know uh, on the ice with Mario Lemieux and and, and my God I, I sharing the ice at also game with Mario Lemieux I, I, it's still the only picture I got taken Kodak actually had a bunch of cameras they threw disposable cameras I had one through the equipment guy and I said I don't know just snap a couple of you if you don't mind and then everyone was waiting waiting in line it was absolutely insane Brad Hull Brandon Shanahan Brian Leach I mean you name it the who's who top 100 players Hall of Famers are sitting there standing in line to get a picture with Mario. So, of course, I jumped right in behind him. Uh, but but anyway, that's not the favorite story. That's my by second favorite digress story. My favorite story came up after the game. So everybody's going around giving out sticks for for whatever. Hey, you know, Mario, can can I get Patrick Waz? So, like, all these big-time guys are handing out sticks, and there's a bunch of us first-timers, me, Thornton, uh, Mike York, Aginla, uh, that year, and we're just sitting on the side watching this, just pinching ourselves that we get a chance to hang out with all these Hall of Famers. And, and Patty Walk comes over to me and says, uh, Hey, Perry, you, you mind if I get one of your sticks? And oh, oh, oh excuse me, guys. I, Patrick O'Hon needs one of my sticks. And I was like, Yeah, sure, go, you know, grab whichever one on the wall. So he kind of grabs it and he comes walking over to me. He's like, This one? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that one. I stand up to, to sign it and uh, he throws it in the vice saws it in half and gives it to his kid <laughs> and that got the biggest roar of laughter the whole weekend and that that was I could not wait to get out of that locker room and tell my brother my, my wife tell everyone I'm like oh you're not going to believe this <laughs> everybody's handing out these collectibles they want to keep sign on whatever charity auction I just need it ready for my kid and you know we could use one of yours first ways so that was pretty awesome that's my favorite story from the all-star weekend but no I was what 
it was incredible. It, it was absolutely incredible. I'm just happy I got an opportunity to represent the Islanders with the history that they have, we have as Islanders, the alum, obviously, we know about uh, to, to play a tiny, small part in the history of the Islanders. Uh, to me, is an absolute honor and a thrill. I'd, I'd never get a chance. I thought I'd get a chance to. Well, of course, that season culminates with a vicious seven-game series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, everyone seems like they have a story from that playoff series. Uh, you know, even for that long stretch where the team didn't win a series, that seemed like it stood out as really the one that a lot of fans remembered and was, you know, just for a lot of reasons. So of all the memories, what do you remember about that series? Oh, gosh. Uh well, obviously the Sean Bates goal, uh, the the penalty shot. Um, it, but what I remember of it was relief that it went in. And, and two, Laviolette, it was so loud that Laviolette was yelling at us to get on the ice. We couldn't hear him right behind us yelling our names to get on the ice. And he actually had to push us so we'd know who was supposed to go out on the ice. It was that loud in that building. Never heard a building in my life that loud. Never since have I heard a building that loud i mean the, the the bench was just shaking it was absolutely incredible so that moment obviously stands up the most but you know i, I for me what, what comes to mind is uh running into joe sackick that summer um and and how he was talking about how what a shame that that was a first round series that was the best series of the playoffs uh, i was so mad and angry uh, at how it went down with the tucker and packet situation there was there was so many open wounds, I guess, at that point. I, I hadn't really had a chance to sit back and uh, appreciate it yet. It's, it's just still stings too. It's still too emotional for me. And when he said, said that, it really kind of started to put things in perspective a little bit more and started to appreciate the fact that we lost in the first round, as disappointing, as heart-wrenching as that was. Um, but uh, again, uh, you know, I think about the whiteout at home, uh, you know, the, the fans, the 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 absolute electricity around the team and around town was intoxicating. Uh, it's that's why we want to do it again and again and again. And why you want to win every single playoff round. It's because it is just electrifying to, to, to go through as a player. Not sure if this is true. So maybe you can either help confirm or substantiate this or perhaps refute it. But did I hear that? Like that playoff series got so heated that even after one of the games, a few leaf players were trying to, you know, get their way into the Islander office at that time or towards one of like the <laughs> player rooms. Like, again, this is tales of the Coliseum, you know, 20 years after the fact, but just want to, maybe you can help confirm or deny that one for us. There was, well, there was plenty of talk uh, in the hallway. That's for sure. Uh, I don't remember too many moments getting that close, but uh, I certainly remember a big uh, six, five, six, six heavyweight of ours. Uh, number 33, having to restrain him a little bit uh, in the hallway. Uh, he was getting a little passionate, but that's, you know, man, looking back on that, that's, that's the stuff you miss. Uh, you know, that's when, when we see each other, when we, when we run into those same Leafs now at alumni events or wherever we run into each other, we, we talk about that series and, and how amazing it was. Uh, I, I, rem I remember that the next year when they, they changed a bunch of the rules and the holding up and the, the can opener rules. So Brian McCabe couldn't do that, stick through the legs anymore and, and all that. The NHL always sends out videos of, you know, the rule and like this will be called a penalty and that whatnot. And 90% of the videos of, of the new rules were all clips of our playoff series and just holding up and interference, clutching and grabbing. 
and, and wondering, man, uh, after all of a sudden, then how Toronto kept winning, how they won another series. We were just physically beat up and, and just, yeah, it was what a, it was. Uh, when it comes to the playoffs, that's that's my absolute highlight for my NHL career. So, yeah, I look back on all of it incredibly fondly and just still, still really, really hate Tucker. So do a, a lot of Islander fans, even uh, 21 years later. But you mentioned six foot six, number 33, Eric Cairns, who had some moments in that series as well, most notably towards the end of game six. But he would have been a roommate of yours, along with Sean Bates and Steve Webb. And I think it was pretty well documented at the time. <laughs> but now here we are two decades later. And I'm going to guess you guys had some fun in that house. Just a little bit of fun. Yeah, probably a little bit more fun uh, than we should have. Actually, probably, I know for a fact, a lot more fun than we should have. We had, uh, boy, we had a great time. We, we, it was funny because I had lived alone uh, for the first three years of my career. And I, I hadn't had a roommate. Uh, not that I didn't want one, it just kind of, I'm a, I'm a kind of a stick to myself kind of guy. And, um, boy, we, we all just kind of got together and it happened. Uh, I remember Steve Webb, uh, called me up that summer and he's like, Hey, I'm moving in. And I went, Oh, okay. Well, I got a couple bedrooms. That's great. Uh, and then about a week or two later, Karen called me up and said, Hey, I'm moving in. And of course I wasn't going to dispute that one at all. Uh, and so I was like, okay, okay. I got two roommates now. Uh, and then, uh, after camp got going and Bates got his, uh, contract, I got told by both of them that Sean Bates is moving in. So, so it was interesting how I had zero say uh, in my house uh, on my roommates, but it, it worked out absolutely perfectly. Uh, obviously we all still keep in contact, uh, to this day and man, the animal house, I, I still work in the NHL network now. People still ask me questions about it, and I'll still see that episode of the Animal House running on random times at two, three in the morning when I get home off, uh, laid off work, and it's 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 kind of funny. But man, we we did we had a we 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 had a great group of uh, great group of friends, and that was just that whole year. I think that was just part of the camaraderie that we had. Uh, I'm I'm thankful, uh, very thankful, the way it worked out. Um, uh, for them coming on board, my my wife moved out there that year. She kind of she got a taste of it living with us four guys. And I knew once she handled, she could handle that that atmosphere. That that uh, she was good. She she could handle anything if she could live with us us four idiots. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess that you could count on one hand the number of times that a home cooked meal was made in that house. Is that accurate, or did any of you have a secret cooking skill? We, we did have, uh, so Webby and I, the only thing uh, we, we did was uh, our pregame meals. We, we like the, uh, we picked up, there's a great little, I wish, oh, I wish I could remember the, the butcher shop, I mean, market uh, down in Garden City. We'd stop at uh, on the way home, pick up some fillets and go right to the uh, George Foreman grill. We had the bigger round George Foreman grill in the house, which was kind of funny in our kitchen. Uh, and, and that was the only thing. So we did pasta. And, and steak and uh that was it other than that yeah we ate out we had we had a chef actually make us some meals so we had somewhat home-cooked meal i guess but truly home-cooked meals uh no no it was it was literally pasta and meat and that was it that was the only things we could handle well i don't know if this occurred in the frat house there or if this was a road trip story but i think you told me at about a time where you pulled a prank on Sean Bates that may have involved his mattress and his bed spring. Is that one you can share here? Yeah. Yeah, I can. 
and, and it's 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 a great trick. So I this when you start traveling without your parents or not, and whatever it was high school uh, youth hockey, you start playing pranks. And uh, I remember he was I can't remember what he did. He, he kind of did something to me earlier. Uh, of course, it was fairly minor. So I was like, okay, uh, no big deal. And his roommate, so he stayed out a little bit later than I was. And I, I can't remember, we might have been in Toronto now that I think about it. It doesn't matter. And what I did is I, I pulled his mattress off and then I flipped the box springs. I put the box springs on top of the mattress. So it was a little harder, firmer when he'd come lay down, right? It was just kind of supposed to be something like that. Except for when he came down, came back into the room, uh, he decided to, to literally take a swan dive into uh, bed that night. Uh, and, and he caught his face, the chin, I think it was, right on the wood of the box frame that I had flipped over. Uh, he was not happy with me. Uh, I laughed my ass off, actually, because I was wondering why he swan dived into the bed like a little 10-year-old. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I, that, one's, that one was one of my accidental favorites just because he actually kind of got injured and had to explain getting hurt at home, back in the hotel room, getting into bed, which was fun to listen to. Well, obviously the NHL players now, I don't think they have road roommates, but you know, you had roommates, I would assume for most of your career. Do you remember who your first road roommate was? Uh, my first road roommate was, uh, I'm gonna, well, I got bounced around a little bit in Florida. I think it was Peter Worrell was my first roommate uh, in Florida. Uh, it was either he or, or Ole, to be honest with you. It was probably one or the other. Uh, and then my first consistent room, roommate was Brett Hedekin. And then when he got, he and Beret got traded in, then I had Hedekin all that year and into most of the next year where then I, I had Pitlick actually for a little bit too. So my first real roommate was Brett Hedekin. At least that's who I, I kind of give credit to. And then would have been you and Batesy for the most part when you're on the island? Yeah, yeah, me and Batesy. And it's funny when you get into that, that the mode where we're Batesy now we're perfect because uh, if we're not eating or watching sports, we're sleeping. So, so we we would sleep through anything. We could sleep through the TV being on. We would kind of we we both had the same uh, schedule and waking up. And man, when when he would get hurt or I would get hurt, we would both hear about it when we come back. We'd be like, man, I couldn't sleep at all. You know, because some guys like it hotter, and some guys need the TV off. Some guys like noise. Some guys don't like noise. So there's uh, when you when you switch it up uh, and and you get somebody. Uh, somebody else that, that has, is on a different schedule, it, it could be kind of rather annoying. So yeah, it was it was always important to find somebody on your same schedule and Batesy and I got along absolutely wonderful. Yeah, you kind of just answered what I was going to ask you because I think some of the old timers, like even Charlie said for him and Bossy, they felt like a married couple after a while. Like they knew each other's routines, like they knew what shows they liked to watch. Like you said, the heat, like having a the right roommate seems like it makes all the difference when you're, you know, 41 road games. Oh, yeah. And especially, you know, and especially like you get on the schedule, too, because if you get an older guy, like luckily enough, Hedekin was great. And it was it was understood like when they were married with kids, they were very polite and everything. They would get up and just go out of the room quietly. But some guys get up and, and want to do whatever they want to get on the laptop. They want to call the family. Their kids get up early. You know, I was with Kenny Onsen for for one trip and and it was that one was kind of tough because he needed a quiet. He liked the TV off at 10. And I'm kind of a night owl. I like to sleep in, but he had the kids and it was nothing against either one of us, but it was funny after that one trip, we were both just like, yeah, you know, that one just doesn't work guys. No, Kenny and I not, uh, we, we're no, no simpatico there. Like we let's uh, find somebody else. 
you know, it is. And that's, it's just that important. It's, it's part of your routine. It's part of you being ready for it to be the best at your job. And, and, and you got to find that comfort level where you get to relax away from the ring. It's funny you mentioned Brett Hedekin because I'm looking at that 2006 USA Olympic roster, which you were a part of, and he's another Minnesota guy, another St. Cloud State guy who ended up on that team. But you get selected for those 06 Olympics along with a couple of Islander teammates and Jason Blake and Rick DiPietro. First of all, how do you find out you make that team? Who makes that phone call to tell you that you're going to Torino to uh, participate in the Olympics? Uh, it was Mike Milbury, Mike Cobb. Uh, and, and it was, uh, uh, it was, I think right after a morning skate in Toronto. Um, and, uh, so, and, and I wasn't expecting it. I honestly, I thought my, my best shot was an O2, uh, when I, when I had that big year. Uh, so I, I honestly wasn't expecting it. And I had heard earlier, you know, they, 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 you kind of know earlier, so they make some decisions that are a little harder down the line. And once I heard that Ricky and Blake, you were kind of in, I was like, oh, okay, you know, like I probably would have been told already. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was just a little bit like another day maybe that Mike called me and man, I was flying that night. <laughs> uh, I mean, man, to, get a, to talk about the all-star game is a thrill of a lifetime, uh, man, to get a chance to represent your country, even if it's world championships, world juniors, there is no pride. There's nothing that you can feel, feel any more pride with than pulling over your country's colors. Uh, you know, wearing USA is the crest on your, your chest. It's still there on the back of my neck stands up to think about getting an opportunity uh, to represent uh, my country in the Olympics was, was absolutely amazing to get to do it with uh, two of my good friends, Ricky and Blakey uh, was, was absolutely awesome. Uh, I obviously wish it would have gone a little bit better. Uh, but that being said, yeah, the, the entire experience uh, is 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 life changing. Uh, you know, to to to, to look to say you're you, to get to say you're an Olympian for the rest of your life is 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 a pretty pinch me moment. If I could just mention some of the other names from that roster, uh, a couple future Islander connections in in Doug Wade and also Bill Guerin, but some names like Keith Kachuk, Mike Madano, Matthew Schneider, but. For Mike Madonna, a guy who, when you were young in Minnesota, was playing for the North Stars, I would have to figure he was at the top of the list of being a thrill to get to play with. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I got a chance to play with Mo in the World Championships a couple years before that. Uh, so I knew him a little bit uh, from there. And then obviously getting a chance to play with him in Dallas. I, I mean, just just a pleasure to watch. I, just so relaxed, so laid back, been through every situation uh doesn't panic whatsoever uh i mean just to, to watch that jersey flap in person you kind of get in awe when he when he winds it up even the even the names you, you mentioned you know the guys that are his generation and and his uh i don't want to say equals but close enough to equals when it comes to usa hockey with the chuck chelios the billy garens uh absolute legends uh the best of the best in this country uh them being in awe when he would wind it up, you, everybody on the bench would kind of sit up and go, here goes, here goes, here goes. Like, you know, to play with somebody that can literally turn it on and change a game at a, at a moment's notice uh, is something you, you appreciate. The, the one thing I think a lot of people don't realize is uh, the further you go up, the bigger fan you become of the game and how much more you really appreciate uh, what the greats can do against the best in the world. And, I mean, I still have to pinch myself. Yeah, when you talk about, like, being – 
I was on an Olympic team with Kachuk and Billy Garen and Doug Waite, uh, you know, Mike McDonald, Chris Chelios, you know, big Darian Hatcher, uh, all these guys that I grew up idolizing and then, you know, fought against. But actually to get picked on, chosen on a team like that is beyond a dream. For a little while there, you were doing uh, broadcasting with the Islanders on MSG. And I think back to one game in particular where Anders Lee scored a pretty meaningful goal and he was going to skate by the bench to fist bump the team. And the first person he fist bumped on the line was you. So, you know, take us through what you remember about that. Because I remember it being a pretty cool moment uh, when it happened. I was that. Yes, that was so amazing and special. And had I had no idea. Uh, it was funny. I found out when I went to the rink that day, uh, I didn't know that, that he was close to passing me on the Islanders all time goal list or he tied me. Uh, uh, and, and I had no idea where I was. I had no idea where he was. Uh, and, and then of course we kind of talked about it and if, and I kind of like you scored and I, you know, you got me. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of choked me up a little bit. He's like, well, yeah, it's only a matter of time. And he was of course, right. Uh, but then to do it that night, uh, and and when he was skating over, I wasn't quite sure. I didn't want to interrupt him at all. But he kind of we kind of made eye contact a little bit. And I couldn't help myself to get back on the ice, living that vicariously a little bit. He's one of the ones he like. You name is Zach and Brock. You know those guys are the ones I live through now, man. I, I love watching the Islanders and the Minnesota boys. Both those connections, uh, and to have Anders, uh, man, uh, when he passed me to be there for that moment. Uh, was super cool was was uh, was a moment that that I truly cherish uh, now completely unexpected and yeah I thank Anders for being a good sport and, and, and giving the old guy a little fist bump and making me feel like I was on the bench again for a split second in time you're still number six among U.S. born players in goal scoring in Islanders history I guess until Anders passed you you would have been number four <laughs> Brock Nelson a Minnesota guy has has passed you since as uh He's going to be going to his first all-star game this year. But with the MSG broadcast, you got to work alongside Butch Goring, who you played for with the Islanders. Yes. What kind of a coach was Butch and how much fun was it to work with him uh, some years later? <laughs> Butch, he was great. Butch, he was great. He was, you know, he was, he was honest. I feel bad, you know, Butch, that was, that was a tough year for everybody. Uh, you know, and coaches a lot of times take the fall when it's, when it's clearly not all their fault by any means. Uh, so I, you know, I enjoyed, uh, playing for Butchie, the old school mentality is, you know, Hey, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to scream at you. Your job to go do it. You know, uh, here's what you do. And, and it was tough to argue a guy, uh, that, that name probably was a little long overdue being hung in the banners and the rafters there at the Coliseum, but knowing full well, what he had to do with all those other banners that were hanging in there in the Coliseum. Uh, you know, it was, it was easily brought that respect into the locker room. Uh, but yeah, no, I just remember the way Butchie handled the whole year, uh, you know, with, with as much class and dignity uh, as he did. And, and he was just, he was kind of, kind of the same as he was on air. He, he, he throws out some interesting words every now and then, uh, and, and some phrases, but you always know what he means. And, and his passion for the game, uh, came through, you know, and the, and the, the one thing you really get to know now, getting to know Butcher, obviously, and all those guys, I was lucky to have uh, Billy Smith in Florida as a goalie coach. Danny Potvin was working TV down there. And, and it's no surprise when you meet guys that have that much success. Their character is just absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, and you just have to be uh, an amazing person, first and foremost, 
to be able to get to that level where they are as people and as players. Uh, so it, that's what, what I truly appreciate is getting to all the greats and how great of people they actually are. Harry, we thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Love seeing you still on the NHL network and love hearing the Islander stories and, and even the non-Islander stories as well. It's uh, really fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. You guys should jog the memory so they come back and I get to relive them every time. So no, thank you guys. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Corey. Well, thank you again for joining us on another edition of Talk at Isles. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you might listen. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Greg Picker here. And I am at Rightsway. You can follow all the latest info about the team on Twitter at NY Islanders and stay up to date on UBS Arena at ubsarena.com. A big thank you to our producer, Rachel Lusher, and to WRAQ at Hofstra University. And we'll see you next time on Talking Isles.